Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. I'm big on making the garden a multi-sensory treat. There should be something for the eyes, the taste buds, the fingertips, and especially the nose. Today's show for the nose specialty is citrus. Lance Walheim, longtime garden book author and rare citrus grower, talks about using bergamot oranges for infusing in gin. Plus, other citrus varieties that will offer something for your nose as well as your taste buds in whatever kind of drink you add citrus. Don't know what a bergamot orange is? Well, you've come to the right place to find out what it is and how to grow it, as well as clear up the internet confusion about what a bergamot orange really looks like. Uh, Here's a hint. A mature bergamot orange is yellow and smooth. It's not green and lumpy. Go online. Take a look. You'll understand the confusion. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast brought to you today by Smart Pots. And we'll do it all in less than 30 minutes. Let's go. We're talking with Lance Walheim. He began gardening when he was 10 years old, growing up in Belmont, California, and he transferred his love of plants into a bachelor's degree in botany from UC Berkeley. Soon after graduating, he was a writer, and he worked for several books, including the Ortho series of garden books, the uh, Sunset Garden books, and citrus books as well. When he got out of writing, he ended up with a citrus ranch in Central California, in Tulare County. And there he created California Citrus specialties, marketers of specialty citrus fruit like blood oranges, pomelos, citrus hybrids. And then one day, well, I'll let him tell the story. Lance Walheim is here. And Lance, it's a pleasure talking with you. I've talked uh, with you for a number of years. Debbie Flower is here, too, America's favorite uh, retired horticultural professor. Yeah, I'm here. Good. Yeah. Hey, hey, Debbie, it's great to talk to you, Fred. You're, you're now in the alcohol business. <laughs> yeah, some people would say I've been there all my oh. life. <laughs> all right. Well, but, yeah, you're right. You know, we when we had California Citrus Specialties, we got approached by a lot of different people that were trying to do various different things, by you know infusions of olive oils and making limoncello and all sorts of things. And I talked to a distiller at one point, and he was telling me that he uses bergamot in one of his gins. And I said, "Oh, I, I grow fresh bergamots." And we started taking small slices of the rind of the bergamot and putting it in the drinks, our gin and tonics mainly. And the flavor was just so fantastic that I kept saying, I got to make a gin with this. And I never had a real good distiller that I really hooked up with that was really interested in the citrus. But I I was in a Tascadero one day and my wife was doing business there. And I happened to stumble across the Central Coast Distillery, which is owned by Eric Olson. And he's kind of a mad scientist of uh, craft spirits. He teaches at San Luis Obispo or teaches classes there at Cal Poly and does all this wonderful things. The place was closed. I knocked on the window. He let me in. And before I know it, we were tasting gins. And I told him what I grew and graduated 
gradually I brought more and more different fruits over for him to try. We also looked at doing something with the yuzu and the gin started to come together. It took us uh, six different batches till we got it to where we wanted it. The response has just been fantastic. The flavor is really unique. The aroma. I really wanted a bergamot sour orange forward gin also with a strong juniper flavor. And then we used, we even put a little bit of tea in it, a little fennel uh, and some other botanicals, but I didn't want to cloud it up too much with a lot of different flavors. So we really let the bergamot stand out and it just blends so well with the juniper berries and the juniper flavor, plus with tonic water that it, it just makes a gin and tonic that's, I think it's magical. Well, I'm opening up a can of uh, tonic water here. Perhaps you can uh, go back and tell people who may be thinking that you were talking about a, an automatic assault rifle that actually, what is a yuzu? Oh, a yuzu is a Japanese fruit that we also grow. So we, we tried growing a number of uh, Asian fruits. Uh, yuzu was very successful. It's a Japanese fruit. It's used in ponzu sauces traditionally and also other recipes. It's very popular. And we also grow a sudachi which is a, a, like an Asian lime. The yuzu is a bumpy, very aromatic, distinctive, piney type of aroma. And you can find it in um, some Japanese vodkas, for instance. But it's it's a real unique fruit as well. What's interesting, I just added some tonic water to this uh, uh, glass of uh, Walheim Ranch gin that you provided us with. Thank you so much for that. Sure. 50% ABV. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, that's, it's good stuff. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, again, we didn't want to take, do anything that was going to dilute the flavor of the bergamot. And you're probably already also noticing if you're having your, your, your drink on the ice that, uh, the gin clouds up a little bit. Now, when I first saw that, I thought, oh, no, what the heck happened? But it turns out it makes sense. Those are the bergamot oils that when they get cold, they get a little bit milky. Okay. Um, and that, that just sense. goes to prove to you that we're using fresh fruit. Like I said, the bergamot has a uh, history of being used in gins, but it's mostly the dried fruit that comes from Calabria or Western Africa. Uh, we were really one of the first successful plantings in California. So it's really the, the fact that we were able to use that fresh fruit, the fresh rind, which uh, really, I think, gave it the unique flavor. It's a lot more work to do with fresh rind. You have to, you know, peel them very carefully to make sure you just get as, you know, much of the color of the rind as you can, because that's where the oils are. Uh, and it also, it's, since the bergamot goes through, you know, hangs on the tree for quite a while, the oil levels in the fruit can also change. So you're also testing the batches as you as you go along. Olson was a master at this, so he was able to pull it off. I was amazed to uh, discover that the aroma of the bergamot still shines through, even with the addition of tonic water. Yeah, yep. and that's for a lot of people won't know the bergamot fruit itself, but they'll recognize the flavor uh, from the Earl Grey tea, which is the main flavor component. Right, and so I've Googled uh, bergamot orange and a couple of pictures came up one is green kind of pear-shaped and very bumpy and another is yellow also kind of pear-shaped but smoother are those yeah, both bergamot no oh. there's a lot of misinformation out there on the on the uh, internet and one of them is that people think the yuzu is the bergamot which it's not uh they're distinctly different uh the bergamot is the yellow much larger fruit much denser 
and has a completely different aroma from the rind. So, yeah, that's the other one's probably a yuzu. Okay. For the home scientists out there who, who may imbibe and, and has uh, access to some citrus, can you do this at home? You can make a gin at home, sure. They used to call it bathtub gin. And you basically start with a neutral spirit. For Walheim Ranch gin, we used a corn alcohol, but you can use a vodka, which is also a neutral spirit. And you can basically just add some juniper berries and then any other types of flavors that you want. Uh, citrus peels are very popular in gins also, but there's, th- I mean, from there it goes on to anything. I mean, orris root, coriandrus, cardamons, there's, you know, rosemaries, lavenders. You can almost do whatever you want and play around with it. That's kind of how, why it's so much fun. Yeah, I would think that uh, you could also experiment with non-alcoholic beverages as well. You certainly could. I, there are, so here's a good question for to expert gardeners. What is a shrub? It, it's, it's a, a question. It, it, yeah, it's a tree that doesn't live as long. Yeah. It's In teaching, tree. I would say that it was um, typically 15 feet or shorter and multi-stemmed at the soil. Well, you're both wrong. Is an infused fruit, sugar, and vinegar drink oh my. that a lot of people does. And so you heat it up and they can either be added to different cocktails or it can be a lot of people just dilute it with water and, and drink it, uh-huh. drink it straight in the morning. So it's a, a vinegar based infusion. Ooh. We, over the years, we probably were involved in infusion just about everything. We did oils. We did vinegars. Um, you can do it with just basic water or tonic water. Uh, one of the fun things we did, we worked with an olive oil maker up in the Napa Valley and they had actually made their olive oil on on an old stone grinding wheel and so when they they wanted to make a Meyer lemon flavored oil and so they'd just throw the lemons on there with the olives and they'd crush it all together get the oils out with the olive oil and then they'd centrifuge it to get the juice out and it just made a wonderful flavor of uh, olive oil there you can also in from italy you can get bergamot olive oil so there's a lot of different ways to infuse things a bitters is an infusion that includes alcohol we even sold orange blossoms valencia orange blossoms to a distiller one time and he distilled those and and got flavor of the orange blossom um, mm. in in a vodka i believe it was whenever you're in a hotel or you're in a bar they're constantly in infusing different things whether it just means putting lemons in in some ice cold water with cucumbers I was in a bar one time and had, you know, they have those big tanks that they infuse pineapple or whatever kind of fruit they want with vodka. And this bottle was full of Buddha's hand citrons and then filled with vodka. Mm. So you could get a vodka drink that was infused with the flavor of Buddha's hand citron, which, again, is really unique and a great idea. pretty picky about who I allow to advertise on this podcast. My criteria, though, is pretty simple. It has to be a product I like, a product I use, and a product I would buy again. And you know who checks all those boxes? It's SmartPots. SmartPots is the oldest and still the best of all the fabric plant containers that you might find. SmartPots are sold around the world, and they're proudly made 100% right here in the USA. Smart pots come in a wide array of sizes and colors and can be reused year after year. Some models even have handles, and that makes them a lot easier to move around the yard. 
Because the fabric breathes, smart pots are better suited than plastic pots, especially for hot climates. That breathable fabric has other benefits, too. Water drainage issues? Not with smart pots. Roots that go round and round, choking the root ball like they do in plastic pots? Doesn't happen with smart pots. These benefits will help you get a bigger, better plant than what you've gotten in the past with the same size plastic or other hard container. Smart pots are available at independent garden centers as well as select Ace and True Value hardware stores nationwide. To find a store near you or to buy online, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. And don't forget that slash Fred part. On that page are details about how, for a limited time, you can get 10% off your Smart Pot order by using the coupon code FRED. F-R-E-D. Use it at checkout from the Smart Pot store. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information about the complete line of Smart Pot's lightweight, colorful, award-winning fabric containers. And don't forget that special Farmer Fred 10% discount, Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. Let's get back to our conversation with Lance Walheim about citrus infusions. For people who don't know, explain the Buddha's hand. Well, the Buddha's hand is is a citron, which is one of the oldest kinds of citrus. And it forms, uh, you have to, I I hope I can describe it, but it basically looks like a hand with fingers pointing down. Mm -hmm. And no two Buddha's hands are the same. They're like snowflakes. They're just, they can make every kind of design. If you you look online, you'll see that I'm not describing it very well. There's also a regular Etrog Buddha's hand, which is used in some Jewish religious ceremonies, and both of them have just a, a really aromatic rind. If you've ever grown a citron, you know you can put it in your kitchen and your whole house will just smell wonderful with the aromas from the rind. I've had citrons cooked in a lot of different ways. It makes a great sauce for chicken. You kind of make a sweet sauce like a syrup and you put that on the chicken. It's, it's very good. Is it the zest you're putting on? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, yeah, if you're familiar with cooking with citrus and making infusions, you know that that white part of the rind can give you an off flavor. When most people are making infused waters or things, I'll just slice the whole fruit and put that in there. But if you really want the intense flavor, you those oils are in the rind, the colored portion of the citrus. So what do you think is next in the world of gin or vodka for flavoring from the world of citrus? We have mandarin vodka already. That's right. And the, you know, the big question is, and, I, and what I found out years ago, I went to, we were looking for outlets for our bergamots and also our yuzus, which are used as flavorings. And I went to a tea conference in Las Vegas and they have all these dried fruits and flavorings. And so this guy told me, Oh yeah, we have a yuzu flavoring. And I said, you're kidding. How do you make that? Well, and then you, you hemmed and hawed. And then he said, if, if you could send us some f- fresh fruit so we could see what it tastes like. And I'd go, <laughs> yeah, I want that flavor. <laughs> you know, he didn't have any idea, idea what a yuzu tasted like, but they're making yuzu flavoring. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different options. We are playing around with the yuzu. Uh, I'm interested in possibly doing some bitters, which is also an infusion with alcohol and also various spices and herbs and fruits. So I think, you know, the world of citrus is just so big. The Lynn Cove Field Station having up 500 varieties of citrus and Riverside, I don't know how many they've got down there, but there's a whole world of opportunities and a lot of these trees are starting to become more available. So it's it's really fun for people to play with that and make an infusion of 
just simple water if they want or make their own gin or flavor some vodka or just make some interesting cordials. The Lynn Cove event is a popular event when they open it up to the public. The Lynn Cove facility is run by the University of California. It's in Central California. And I think it's on one Saturday in December, I think it is, or January, where they open yeah, to the public. It's, it's usually the, yeah, it's usually the first uh, week of, of December. And they have one day which is open for commercial growers. And then they have another day that's open for home gardeners. And they'll have over 200, 200 varieties of citrus to taste and um, you can see what's new and what's been released and there's some exciting stuff coming out down the corner. I, you know, you're familiar I'm sure with the, the fingered limes the Australian finger lime mm -hmm. it's a native to Australia and the ones you usually see in the nurseries produce a, a fruit that may have a little bit of pink tinge in it in the vesicles which you squeeze out like caviar but they've got some new varieties they're releasing that are just dark red almost like a blood orange oh, wow. they, are, they have really big vesicles and those should be out for too long. I, I got to be careful not to talk about stuff, but I know it's been released by the uni university. So it takes a while to build up the propagation materials, mm -hmm. but fantastic stuff. Let's talk a little bit about growing some of these citrus in, in your own backyard or, or perhaps in the house. Now, a bergamot orange, what is its cold tolerance in citrus growing areas? And can you grow one in the house and still get that same aroma? I don't know anybody who's tried the bergamot inside, but I would suspect since it's an acid fruit, acid fruit are easier to get to ripening stage when they're grown indoors or indoors, outdoors, uh, whatever you do. But I would suspect that it, it you would be able to. And actually, the young fruit of, of a bergamot, even when it's completely green, still has that aroma. It's much, it's very intense. But yeah, I would think that that would be a good option to grow inside. It's a real pretty tree. It's got bright green leaves, large leaves. It also has large, very fragrant flowers. So it, yeah, I would give it a try. As long as you can find it somewhere. You can get it from Four Winds. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. Okay. So, so they're, they're by mail order, if somebody yeah. wants to try it. You right. Know. Or they can ask their local nurseryman in California to order a tree for them. Yeah, exactly. The growing zone for a bergamot, you had mentioned before we started that it, it, it isn't that cold hardy, and I'm not exactly sure what that means. Well, yeah, it could have been stated, you know, we don't know exactly what the temperatures are. It's more like a duration. Uh, I have found the tree to be, the tree itself to be hardy, but the fruit to freeze fairly easy because as we all know, any fruit that's got sugar in it's like almost antifreeze, but a very acidic fruit, especially a dense fruit like that, if it gets really cold for over three to four hours, it, it dries out on the inside. It didn't really affect the rind too much, so you may still be able to use the rind. I think any anywhere you could grow a, a regular orange, maybe a little less hardy. I mean, 28 degrees should be plenty. Oh, okay. Well, that's not bad. It's not like a lime where the cutoff point is no, like no. 34 degrees. Yeah, and it, to be honest about this, is you know, with the, when you're talking about new varieties that aren't widely tested yet, there's a little uncertainty as to how that hardiness is. But I, it's, I wouldn't find it any more trouble than... Uh, it's not as hardy as a Meyer lemon, that's sure. But Meyer lemon's the same way. The fruit is very tender, so it'll get frozen way before the tree will. So I think if you're living in, in anywhere you could grow an, an orange, it'd be worth a try. Have anything you want to add to this? Yeah, if you're ever down there, you can pick up the gin, of course, on mail order. 
at thirdbasemarketsandspirits.com, which is over on the Central Coast. But if you're ever driving up 101 and go through a Tascadero and you want to go visit Eric Olson at Central Coast Distillery, it's it's really worth it if you're into craft spirits. i suggest you check his uh, website out because it's a small place and it's not open. It's usually open on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights, so... Make sure you're there when it's open. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. And I imagine if somebody just Googled uh, the phrase Walheim Ranch Gin, something would pop up. It certainly would. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) Well, it's a new adventure for you. That's for sure. Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, I never really thought I'd get it this far. We even won a medal in a competition already. And, uh, oh, you know, cool. I'm just so happy with the label and the way that the, the taste, I, who knows if we're ever going to, it's going to, what's going to happen. You know, it, it's, it wasn't cheap to get it all started and up and running, but now you got the label, you know how to make it. And so maybe it'll be easier to do. All right. Do you have to license that to other uh, places to mass produce it? Well, we haven't yet. We are going to, um, our plan is to quadruple the production this fall. Um, the initial was only about uh, 250 bottles. So we're, we're slowly ramping it up. Uh, we'll have a good idea, you know, what the response has been. And then we, you know, you have to get distributors to do it. And like anything else, just like the citrus business, the more people that touch the bottle, the less money it gets back to you. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it is, you know, it's, it's an interesting market. You know, it all had to be tested, uh, by the government. And then we had to make some changes on the labels because we said things that, they didn't like it was originally Walheim Ranch Bergamot gin, but that changed the classification of it, and I didn't want to do that. So uh, it's now just Walheim gin, Walheim Ranch gin, but it's a bergamot forward. Are you planting more bergamots? We are planting more bergamots. I've uh, I've got a, a good partner, actually, the person that bought the ranch from us down there has got another citrus ranch, and and we are going to do some more planting. All right. It is tasty, too, besides uh, having a wonderful aroma. Yeah, it really makes a good gin and tonic. And if you had a a bergamot tree in your backyard and you took a little squeeze of a peel peel and rubbed it around the edge of the glass and then threw it in the, the drink, you'd really have something. Well, there you go. Another thing for people to do. All right. Yeah. Lance Walheim. Uh, I don't know how to describe you anymore. Uh, <laughs> a man of many talents. Yes, a man of many talents. Book author, well, uh, citrus you. grower, and and now a uh, hooch manufacturer. There you go. <laughs> All right. Wolheim Ranch Gin. Lance, always good talking with you. Thanks for your time. Great talking to you guys, too. Thanks, Fred. If you listen to our chat with citrus grower Lance Walheim about citrus-infused beverages, you may have heard him mention that the zest or the rind can have a strong aroma, even if that citrus tree is grown indoors. In the next Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter, Lance has the tips for successfully growing a citrus plant indoors, no matter where you live. Find a subscription link to the newsletter in today's show notes or visit our website, GardenBasics.net, where you can sign up to have the free Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter and podcast delivered to your inbox each Friday. Also at GardenBasics.net, you can listen to any of our previous editions of the Garden Basics podcast, as well as read a transcript of the podcast episode that you're listening to now. 
For current newsletter subscribers, look for How to Grow Citrus Indoors in the next Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter. It's coming out the morning of Friday, September 30th. It'll be in your email. Take a deeper dive into gardening with the Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter. And it's free. Find the link in today's show notes or at gardenbasics.net. Did you ever wonder why certain aromas trigger long-ago memories? For instance, I remember as a child visiting Uncle Hubert at the family farm outside of Beach, North Dakota. And the lasting memory from that trip was my first encounter smelling a freshly broken rotten goose egg. And now, whenever that aroma hits my nostrils, well, I'm transported back to the family farm. There was an article in the November 27th, 2019 issue of Discover Magazine that explained why certain aromas invoke powerful, vivid memories from a long time ago. It's because smell is the only sense that doesn't pass through the thalamus. That's an egg-shaped structure in the middle of your brain before it reaches the forebrain. The thalamus kind of functions as an operator switchboard. It connects sensory inputs from our eyes, our ears, the tongue, and touch to the right part of the brain so we can register and make sense of them. However, scent, what you smell, bypasses the switchboard entirely in favor of a direct line. Once more, the bundle of nerves that detects scent molecules, the olfactory bulb, has a high density of connections near the other parts of the brain, which are involved in emotional response and memory formation. That's why smells make our brains form strong, emotionally important memories and at a subconscious level. And those aromatic memories, eh, that's true for many of the plants that you have in your garden. One of my favorite aromas is the scent that you pick up when you rub your finger lightly along a young tomato plant stem. And when that smell hits my brain, I know it's spring and there's a harvest of fresh, juicy tomatoes just a few months away. But then again, I also love the aroma of fish emulsion fertilizer. That's a reaction that is not shared with any of my neighbors, apparently, from what I've been hearing. What's your favorite garden aroma? Let me know. Right now in our yard, Chuck smells great at night. Who's Chuck? Well, that's the Charles Grimaldi Brugmansia. Brugmansia is also known as Angel's Trumpet. It's a fast-growing flowering shrub that can get 10 feet tall in two or three years. The showstopper part of this plant is the nearly non-stop bloom in mild areas of the country in USDA zones 8 and 9. This Brugmansia features huge yellow trumpet-shaped flowers. These flowers are about a foot long. An added bonus in late spring and early summer is the warm evening aroma of those blooms when the air is still. It's a pleasant, perfume-like scent that hits your nose as soon as you step into the yard. It does best with some afternoon shade and regular watering. But I have a word of warning about this Brugmansia. All parts are considered poisonous. So it might not be right for the gardener living with indiscriminate munchers, either pets or children. However... There are plenty of other plants available that give off a nice warm weather show for the nose in the evening. Among those are nocturnal daylilies, the tuberose, flowering tobacco, four o'clocks, star jasmine, moonflower, and white evening primrose. So when it comes to planting your garden, don't forget to offer a show for the nose. 
Garden Basics with Farmer Fred comes out every Tuesday and Friday, and it's brought to you by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. Garden Basics, it's available wherever podcasts are handed out. For more information about the podcast, visit our website, gardenbasics.net. And that's where you can find out about the free Garden Basics newsletter, Beyond the Basics. And thank you so much for listening.